0: On today's Locked on Cavs from Monday, January 16th, I will be telling you how badly the Cavaliers have missed home and why they could have the upper leg on the currently not-so-star-studded New Orleans Pelicans. But before we get started, just a quick thank you from myself, Chris, and Jake for making Locked on Cavs your first listen every day. If this is your first time checking us out, just know that we're free and available anywhere you can get your podcasts. Also, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKED ON. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Once again, I am Evan Damerell, and this is Locked on Cavs. But before we talk about Monday's afternoon game between the Cavaliers and the Pelicans, let's break down their weekend. Cleveland wrapped up a 10-day, five-game road trip where they went 2-3 overall with losses to the last Friday to the Denver Nuggets, last Tuesday to the Utah Jazz, and most recently on Saturday night to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The recent loss in Minneapolis now pushes the Cavs to 9-13 overall on the road this season. You probably know this. The Cavs certainly know it as well. I'm pretty sure my mom, dad, cat, people who don't really watch the Cavs also know this. But Cleveland just isn't a very good road team. I talked about this on the other show the other day, but I thought they might have found a formula for success in their latest road wins over the Phoenix Suns and Portland Trailblazers by utilizing more of a team-oriented focus and sharing the wealth of anyone who touches the hardwood scoring-wise. But it still feels a bit shaky when you kind of break things down, especially when you start closely analyzing these recent losses away from the confines of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And before we get started, let's be frank, the, jazz to the, the loss to the Jazz rather was kind of a bit of a fluke. It's still hard to believe that Cleveland was up five points with about 90 seconds left, and that Karis Levert fouled Jordan Clarkson not once, but twice from beyond the arc, and also fouled him in a flagrant matter as well. But at the end of the day, The NBA said the officials on hand in Salt Lake City made the right call. So when talking about these latest road losses, it's worth noting that the Cavs were worked by the Jazz, and it was still a hyper-competitive game, but it was just an unfortunate sequence of events that just saw them lose this one. And if it wasn't for Donovan Mitchell getting as hot as he did in his first game back in Salt Lake, it could have been a blowout with how the Jazz were just kind of hitting the Cavs a lot of just blow after blow after blow kind of situations, but Speaking of Mitchell and other instances on the road, and more recently like in these losses in Denver and Minnesota, it's a lack of energy across the board the Cavaliers, all while their opponents kept bringing in an unmatched level of intensity. And it didn't help Cleveland's case when Mitchell sat out in the loss to the Nuggets, and when his shot wasn't falling against the Timberwolves either, mind you. Mitchell, let's be frank, is by and far the, the hottest offensive motor on the Cavs, and he's also like their most lethal offensive threat at the end of the day. And It just, it doesn't work as well for Cleveland when he isn't playing some nights or if his shot isn't falling because he isn't going to be considered that hot all the time. And it's hard when you watch the Cavs kind of struggle to have other players step it up and all while not sticking to their core identity. And what I mean by that is sure, the Cavs have their star power and Darius Garland, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to support guys like Mitchell when his shot isn't falling or when he isn't playing. But There's only so much Allen and Mobley can do since they rely on players like Garland and Mitchell to get the ball to them in the right spots on offense in order to score. And we have seen Evan Mobley kind of trying to initiate the offense at times, but I just don't think it's fully there yet for him to say like, okay, the Cavs have the third ball handle in this lineup and it helps that Ricky Rubio is back, but Rubio is on a minutes restriction still as he comes back from this ACL recovery. And he also isn't able to play back to backs. And that's kind of important because the Cavs have a back to back to wrap up this week. Um, but when you do kind of see these situations, you see the Cavs kind of press a little bit, especially on the road when they're trying to match the energy by maybe trying to find quick opportunities to score or just find quick fast break scenarios or things like that. Or they just they just press. Like I said, they just keep kind of pressing a little bit on offense. And it, it results in sloppy basketball, like against the Timberwolves on Saturday night when the Cavs started over 18 times and allowed the Minnesota to score 28 points off of those turnovers as well. So it, it's tough because you see the Cavs press a little bit. And then in other situations, you can also see it turn into a bit of an offensive boat race like it did against the Nuggets so long ago. And right now, the Cavs just don't have the firepower on the perimeter to match it. Kevin Love's been struggling mightily, and Karis LeVert and Isaac O'Horill are just too streaky of shooters at this time. And sure, maybe having Ricky Rubio back just to initiate the offense and kind of act as that cerebral playmaker that the Cavs need, that third ball handler the Cavs kind of need can get guys like Love or even Lavert or Okoro or shoot even Jenny Osmond as well if Osmond does get more than like 10 or 15 minutes a night some easier three-point opportunities just to kind of balance things out and maybe when Dean Wade comes back when he's healthy and as we mentioned on the Friday show um Wade suffered a bit of a setback by turning his ankle while he was recovering from his shoulder injury um Maybe Rubio unlocks and fixes a little bit of that, but I just don't think it's like a surefire way to say, like, yeah, the Cavs are A-OK. They're going to be fine offensively at the end of the day, but like they need a little bit more firepower. And that's when you have to put all the work on Donovan Mitchell's and Darius Garland's shoulders. And over an 82-game season, that's just not a recipe for success at the end of the day for the Cavs. And sure, like the trade deadline is less than a month away. And it makes even more sense now than ever that Cleveland is looking at guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. or Luke Kennard or even San Antonio's Josh Richardson. The, the Cavs just kind of need another injection of modern basketball on the fringes to unlock things more inside for Allen and Mobley, but also just keep the Cavs in, out of situations where they may just need more from their role players in general because you're just not getting that right now when you're squeezing this from what they currently have constructed. And it takes a little bit less or a little bit more rather off the plate of Mitchell and Garland today as well, which is, you know, pretty helpful, especially when you don't want to burn them out. And if you want to find success on the road, Cleveland needs to find a way to get an extra boost up from what's already on the roster to begin with, all while grinding things out of the defensive side of the ball, at least until that hopeful offensive support comes along. For the Cavs and full disclosure, we don't know if Cleveland will be super duper active on the trade market because they are a little asset barren after getting Donovan Mitchell this summer. So they may not make a trade for the sake of making a trade, but they do need a clear injection offensively, especially in terms of three-point scoring. And we'll talk more about why these road losses are starting to matter quite a bit for Cleveland, why going 0-3 against teams like Toronto really matters a lot too, why the Cavs care about this quite a bit. But I'm going to touch on that more in the third segment, because today we got to talk about the Pellys coming to town. And before I do that, though, I do got to give a quick word from today's first sponsor at Price Picks. This episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Price Picks. To play, you can pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their Price Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. PrizeFix offers projections on any sport you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, cricket, and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And they also offer safe and fast withdrawals. PrizeFix is currently operational in over 30 states in the nation of Canada. And if you're interested, you can download the PrizeFix app or go to prizefix.com to sign up and play daily. Fantasy sports. If you check them out, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PriceFix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PriceFix will give you $50 dues. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Welcome back to Locked On, Cavs. I am Evan Damerell, and later this afternoon, the Cavaliers will be host to the New Orleans Pelicans. There's been no update on Cleveland's side of things injury-wise, but for the Pelicans, they're missing quite a bit of star power with Zion Williamson dealing with a hamstring injury and Brandon Ingram missing time due to a toe injury. For the Cavs, we can speculate a little bit. There probably won't be any Dean Wade who, as I mentioned in the first segment, suffered a setback in his recovery, and Dylan Windler, who has yet to play the season for this game. It's also worth keeping an eye on Evan Mobley's availability as well, after Mobley banged knees of Anthony Edwards on Saturday night in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Mobley did miss the start of the second half due to that knee scare and eventually was able to play through it, and I believe led Cleveland in minutes for that game. For a Cavs team that just can't stay consistently healthy, losing Mobley could be a huge blow to them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Thankfully, if you're the Cavs, as I mentioned. The Pelicans are a little banged up on the star side of things, but nevertheless, New Orleans is a team that should not be underestimated. Sure, the Pelicans are two and three in their last five games, but they're beating bad teams like the Wizards and the Pistons, all while losing games to good teams like the Nets, the Mavericks and the Celtics. And in those losses, it was still somewhat close with the margin of defeat being about an average of roughly nine points per game. And that's because the main point of the attack for New Orleans right now is Northeastern Ohio's own CJ McCollum, who is averaging 29.4 points per game over the last five games for the Pellies. And supporting McCollum in that scoring attack are Najee Marshall and Jonas Valanciunas, and they kind of form a pretty interesting trio for Cleveland to defend. McCollum will probably be hounded by Isaac Koro for the better part of this game. Maybe you see some Lamar Stevens minutes as well. But Marshall will probably be matched with either Donovan Mitchell or Evan Mobley if Mobley can play. Maybe you see Lamar Stevens get a surprise start as well if Mobley's unable to start. That kind of mitigates Marshall, and also does an, you don't have to overtax Mitchell as much on defense then. And then Valanciunas, meanwhile, is just like a flat out interesting matchup for the Cavs in general, just because like yeah, Evan Mobley's more comfortable defending in space. He's one of the best isolation defenders in the league, but. It's going to be tricky if Jared Allen is defending um, Valanciunas because the big Lithuanian can bang down low and can also let it fly from the perimeter. And if you have watched the Cavs at any point this season, especially against like a team like Chicago that features Nikola Vucevic, a three-point shooting big man, or even Joel Embiid, a three-point shooting big man of the 76ers, who we'll talk more about in a minute, but Allen sometimes struggles to defend in space, especially when it's a big man that can shoot, because he's much more comfortable defending slower, not super athletic wings like a De- uh, Demar Derozan or Luka Doncic, just for like tight situations, but not for the entirety of the game. And when you mentioned Derozan, like yeah, Allen had good defense on him, but Nikola Vucevic was roasting him up to that point from the perimeter and kind of made a couple key shots down the stretch for the Bulls to make that game entertaining, and then. We also saw what happened when Donovan Mitchell went absolutely nuclear as well. And let's not talk about that, though. Let's focus on this Pelicans game. Um, this is an interesting trio to defend, like I said, but the Pelicans also aren't the best road team at the end of the day and have an overall road record of 9-12. and Sure, it is one loss better than Cleveland on the road, but the Cavaliers are also one of the best home teams in the league and the best overall team at home in the Eastern Conference. So something has to give for the Cavs in this one. And I think a little home cooking is going to be really important for Cleveland after they had that frustrating road trip that we touched upon in the first segment with those losses to Utah, to Denver, and then most recently to Minnesota. And maybe it'll help jolt them back up the Eastern Conference standing as well. As they have tumbled a little bit from being one of the top teams in the East overall and are now sitting in fifth place, kind of in a, in a bit dead heat with the 76ers, who I just said I talked about more. And for the last home court spot, comma, playoff time. And every game matters at the end of the day, clearly. Like, that's what fans are kind of here for at the end of the day. But I'll talk more about that in the final segment for Locked On Cavs. But before we do that, we do not have an injury update still at this time. We'll probably know. Um, just follow me on Twitter at amnotEvan to check that out. But we will talk more about why these losses are starting to matter so much for Cleveland in the final segment. But I have to give you another word from today's other sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all the fat and calories, then you gotta try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. I actually bought an echelon uh, soon after Christmas to kind of get back into shape. I am getting married at the end of the year, so I wanna look good, uh, at least better than Chris, who's one of my groomsmen. And if you're like me, I wanted to eat healthier, and I just didn't wanna compromise the taste because I have a very, very, very bad sweet tooth. And Built Bar is just the thing for you because you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for that New Year's resolution or echelon enthusiast like myself. And you got to ask yourself, and I ask myself this all the time, what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar all while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar in a hot whopping 17 grams of protein. And now that you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at built.com and you can still do that, but you can now go get them today at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, one of my favorite flavors, double chocolate or coconut puffs. The puffs are phenomenal. Check those out too. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, including brownie batter and churro. Folks, go check out our today's sponsor, Bill. You'll thank me later. You can eat healthy all while enjoying a sweet, delicious treat. Welcome back, ladies and germs, to Locked on Cavs. I am, as always, Evan Damarell, a local near-do-well and co-host of this critically acclaimed Oscar-nominated podcast. After going two and three in the road, the Cavs, again, are locked in with the Sixers for a battle between fourth and fifth place in the Eastern Conference. And I know a lot of people probably tell themselves that random losses of teams like the Jazz or let's just say that the Toronto Raptors who the Cavs are 0-3 against don't matter, but for teams like Cleveland, they seem like they don't really care either about losing to the Raptors. It's just a loss at the end of the day and maybe a learning experience. But I hate to tell you this, but um, you're wrong. I asked J.B. Biggerstaff about this prior to Cleveland hitting the road, and he was pretty transparent with me. These losses do matter to the Cavs because, yeah, they are learning experiences, because, but they are cognizant maybe have a little bit of PTSD to last year when you saw the Cavs scrambling at the end of the season to avoid the play-in tournament and make the playoffs for the first time without LeBron since the 97-98 season. And that's also why sometimes you see such heavy minute loads for Donovan Mitchell, the team's most consistent and lethal offensive threat. And it's also why you've seen certain lineups and wrinkles tested as well, since the Cavs are doing a tightrope walk between player development, figuring out lineups, Winning, making the playoffs, all of it at once, and just try and be one of the best overall teams in the East because advanced metrics do tend to say the Cavs have the potential to be a contender, but they have a lot on their plate at the same time. And it's also why it matters the Cavs going two and three on their latest road trip and never having a winning road trip record-wise matters as well. The margin for error, all while doing that high-rise balancing act, is super-duper razor thin. And there will be a point when things kind of smooth out for the Cavs, and they're able to play Ricky Rubio more, Dean Wade returns the rotation, some hopeful trade support comes in, and then just more importantly, altogether, stay healthy. But when you're staring down the barrel of a slate this week that features New Orleans on Monday, then they're in Memphis on Wednesday to play the Grizzlies, a very, very good team in the NBA, probably one of the best teams in the NBA. And then you're back home to host the Golden State Warriors, the team the Cavs struggled with earlier in the year, and then they have to host the Milwaukee Bucks, another team Cleveland really struggles with and is also trying to keep pace with the Eastern Conference immediately after on Saturday. It's a pretty tough week standings-wise for the Cavs. And sure, you can tell me the Warriors flat out suck on the road this season, and they, and they do. They're not a good road team this year, and the Cavs are also dominant at home. They are the best team record-wise in the Eastern Conference at home and Rock and House Fieldhouse this season, but Golden State still has Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters of all time. They still have Klay Thompson, who is a step slower after coming back from injury, but is still Dominant as a shooter and can provide some defensive issues for Cleveland, a team that struggles with defending on the perimeter at times because Isaac Okoro and Lamar Stevens are all you can really do with it. Then you see Karis LeVert out there defending like guys like Dame Lillard and possibly could spend time defending Steph Curry on Friday night as well. Um, It's just it's tough. And if you let Steph Curry get going, like I said, he's one of the greatest shooters of all time and you let him start cooking. He could be riding a high of the champagne fumes in the visiting locker room, as he would mention it, but it's just even harder for the Cavs to kind of keep this awkward footing and this awkward pace where they're just doing the best they can with the talent they have assembled and just trying to find that balance in the NBA at the end of the day. And it's just becoming increasingly paramount that this like pseudo home stint that the Cavs have. Is going to be really important for just how they stand in the East at the end of the day because they also have the Knicks, who are I believe a game and a half as of recording this, nipping at their heels as well. And considering the fact that the Cavs open up next week on Tuesday in on the road in New York, that game could have some higher stakes added to it as well, which is something you don't really want to have to be dealing with in mid-January. But again, these these losses and these wins matter to the Cavs clearly. Like they're going to go out and perform to the best of their ability every single night but when you go 0 and three against a team like toronto or you struggle on the road in general or you will drop two very frustrating losses to milwaukee or you can beat boston at home but you need to kind of handle that test of boston in the garden as well like these are tricky games for cleveland where sometimes it's just like insane things happen like harris levert and donovan mitchell each scoring 41 points to win a game but you need to find that balance you need to find a way to squeeze blood out of a stone on the perimeter especially just from your role players at the end of the day you have to find something that can work so the Cavs can be mindful of where they're at on the road and the fans can be mindful maybe not have to deal with that late season angst and anxiety which becomes a mad dash to avoid that playing tournament because We talked about this on, I believe, last week's show is either Thursday or Friday, but like, I consider the play-in tournament, the Cavs making the play-in tournament, an abject failure of this season. Um, Chris went as far to say as if the Cavs finish in fifth place, it's a failure because you don't have home court, at least in the first round of the playoffs. It's tricky, though. Like, It's hard to win in basketball, clearly. It's hard to win just at the end of the day in general. And I think the Cavs are kind of learning that as they do that again, that that tight rope balancing act of player development with some of your younger guys and winning now because you have Donovan Mitchell made a win now move like that and figuring out how to maintain pace in the East when you try to keep up with teams like the Nets and the Bucks and the Celtics and now the Sixers as well. And then the Cavs are in fifth and you have New York nipping at your heels. Like it is super duper tight. And I think if Cleveland does make the play in like. Just saying if it's a possibility, I think they have a better shot than they did last season just because Donovan Mitchell is such a huge upgrade on what the Cavs had constructed this last season and then heading into this year. But you don't want to deal with that pressure and stress. I think obviously you want to get some support come trade deadline time, especially from three point range, because. You don't really need as much ball handling with Karis Levert now because you have Ricky Rubio back and you can balance it between Rubio, Mitchell, and Garland. And you just need that injection of three-point shooting because you're never going to get it from, enough of it from like Isaac Okoro and Karis Levert and even Lamar Stevens. And we'll just have to see how this goes. You just have to be mindful of it because the Cavs are on the road more often than not for the second half of the season. And they have to be cognizant of the fact that like, hey, we kind of suck on the road. We're not, and if we're not playing at home, like the Cavs could go forty-one and zero at home, and like ten and thirty-one on the road. And it doesn't matter if the Cavs are fifty-one and thirty-one at the end of the day. But if they suck on the road and it's in high-pressure situations, like teams can hone in on that and maybe press the right buttons, just to say, like, okay, Cleveland does have flaws. They are a flawed roster. But I don't know. I I just think the whole point of this segment is just like. The Cavs really need to capitalize and make the most of the fact that they're playing four of their next five games at home. Yeah. No. Three of their next four games at home. My apologies. Um, Because the Pelicans on Monday, again, that is a pretty winnable game if you're Cleveland. It's still going to be a tough ask at the end of the day. But C.J. McCollum, great. Larry Nias Jr. having a homecoming, great. And it's going to be a a tough game no matter what it's just I think the Pelicans are a little too talented and provide some interesting mismatches for the Cavs but then you really have to be mindful of that Friday Saturday back-to-back with Golden State and Milwaukee because you're not going to have Ricky Rubio for one of those games because J.B. Bickerstaff smartly won't play Rubio in back-to-back games like that just because they want to make sure he's upright and healthy and available come playoff time And you kind of have Evan Mobley who banged knees and Anthony Edwards. There's still no update at this time if he's going to be out at all or miss time just because of it or just kind of have to deal with a nagging injury like this Cavs team. Unfortunately, can't stay healthy. I think if they are able to just find some time and the all-star break cannot come too soon for them, they can find some good health and good fortune for like the second ish half of the season. But until that happens, like it's going to be a dogfight, and I cannot stress enough that like these little losses, like the Cavs do care about them because they are mindful of the fact that they don't want to repeat what happened last year where they had to draw the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks in the play-in tournament, and you watch them kind of crumble under the pressure against the Hawks in the second play-in game, and they miss the playoffs altogether. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cleveland will make the playoffs outright. I don't know what seed they'll be, I want to say they will finish in the top three, but I just think Milwaukee, Boston, and Brooklyn are so good that it's going to be hard to kind of crack into that range. But we'll see what happens. It is a long season. It's an 82 game grind at the end of the day. And no one can really predict what happens. So so let's see how this week goes, but folks should be remain mindful of the fact that Cavs are back on the road again soon. And it's going to be tough voting from here on out just in this hyper competitive east. But that's going to do it for me though, as well as for today's episode of Locked On Cavs. Thank you again for making it your first listen each and every day. Now for your second listen, check out Game to Game. It features every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league and every league in sports with a local analysis from every Locked On host that only Locked On can deliver. you probably see my ugly mug on there or hear my voice from time to time too. Follow Game to Game on Locked On. They're available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Honestly, probably where you're listening to Locked On Cavs, right now.